What up, what up? Welcome back to the pod, episode two. So excited to have everybody here listening today, telling your friends, sharing the pod, Trust the Doc, sports podcast. Today we're going to spend a little bit of time initially talking about the NBA, mainly about the recent Tatum and LeBron drama, LeBron really opening up on his shop, and the critique of NBA players in general, and how that all plays out to make a dramatic NBA offseason here. Mainly going to focus on the AFC landscape, as we touched on the NFC last episode, and then we'll talk about the wide receivers in the NFL and really how we're lucky as the fan, as a consumer, that we live in the wide receiver golden age. Feels like you can walk out your front door and hit a star wide receiver. They're everywhere. So we'll touch on the NFL then after the NBA, but uh, let's waste no more time. Let's get right into it, folks. Here we go. So starting off with Tatum, I mean, obviously a star player. Some consider superstar, star, whatnot. Regardless of what you think of him, he's a great above-average NBA player. And there's been some recent criticism on how he played in the NBA Finals, which was subpar for his standards. Subpar. I'll say that, to say the least. I was disappointed in him. He's come short in some playoff situations prior, but in this playoff so far this past year, he was playing quite well. He was dropping that train. Then you get to the NBA Finals. Wasn't really putting up the numbers we're expecting to see from Tatum. You know, nowhere near 30-plus a game. You know, 6, 7, 8 assists a game, 6, 7, 8 rebounds. Not really close to those averages, which was a disappointment. And ultimately, you know, one of the main reasons the Celtics couldn't pull through against a very good Warriors team. Obviously, these stats and him coming in short, coming up short, have drawn some criticism here from fans, from social media, things like that. And, you know... They're pros. They make a ton of money. They should be able to deal with this criticism. Some of the criticism we put on athletes, for a lot of reasons, is unjust. But critiquing solely on performance, especially shortcomings, is totally within the scope of the fan and the media. And these guys are professionals. They're paid a lot of money. They should be equipped, you know, equipped to handle these situations. And I know often it turns personal, and it shouldn't be personal because it's really not. But regardless. LeBron, (laughs) old LeBron, the new wave that he set forth, you know, always idolizing Jordan. His story's great, obviously. He's always giving back to the community, never been in trouble, always says the right thing, stands up for the kids in the community, loving husband, father, family guy. Really, really making it proud for the NBA players in general, just how he leads you know, the stigma of NBA players and the league, he's done a fantastic job. I don't think you can dispute that aspect of LeBron. But leave it to LeBron, (laughs) a Laker, an L.A. Laker, won a championship for the Lakers, regardless of what you think of the bubble, ring's a ring, coming to the defense of a Boston Celtic. Just think about that. I know we don't consider LeBron a true Laker, necessarily. Hard for me to picture him outside of Cleveland, especially out of Miami as well, after those golden years there. But, you know, a lot of people getting angry about that. And LeBron basically saying, you know, I don't give an F. I don't, I don't give an F. You know, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. I'm going to stand up for the players. And, you know, regardless of what you think of that fact, you got to respect LeBron for it. And, you know, the haters will say, oh, well, Jordan never would have done that. Jordan's all about competition. He's going to claw his way to the top. You know, he's not going to come to the defense of all these other rivals, and he's not as great as Jordan. He's not as competitive. Just stop. Just stop it all right there. Stop. Regardless of your opinion on their basketball achievements, they're just two different people. Yes, LeBron grew up wanting to be Jordan, but I give him credit for carving his own way. With so much pressure coming out of high school, hardly anyone lives up to that reputation and that respect that LeBron earned throughout his career with the pressure put on him from such a young age. And I respect it. And LeBron carved out his own path, his own way of doing all these things. And he kind of plays the nice guy in those roles. He's always supporting his brothers, always supporting the NBA, always supporting the teammates, his family, the guys he repped growing up. And he gets a lot of hate for it because a lot of athletes don't do that. So, you know, I got no beef with LeBron on that. I actually respect it. I think it's bold. And he stayed true to who he has been his whole career. He hasn't backed down. 20 plus years in the league, so I respect it. But last thing I'll say on the NBA here quickly is again, you're getting paid tons of money. 
media guys, big time, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, Nick Wright, Stephen A. Smith, all those guys. They get paid big bucks. And yes, they sit in their castle and they talk sports and do their thing and criticize, mostly criticize other players. But, you know, it's their job. And it's well within their right to do so as long as it's about the play on the field or on the court. It's not personal. It's a professional critique. Just like you get critiqued by your coworkers or your boss or, you know, any walk of life. It's about not necessarily personal attacks. It's not supposed to be personal. I know sometimes it does, and that might cross the line, but that's the reality of any profession or any walk of life that you're in. You have to be able to accept and be okay with people critiquing your professional ability, your, you know, your athletic ability, your game in any walk of life. So, you know, I think it's tough, especially in the NBA, because these guys get really propped on a pedestal compared to a lot of other athletes, maybe outside NFL quarterbacks. But, you know, when crap hits the fan, you got to be got to be ready to face the music, ready to face the critiques. So, you know, regardless of how you deal with that, I respect LeBron standing up for the players like he always does and staying true to himself. But that's the last I'll say on the NBA here. Not a whole lot going on in the offseason. A lot of trades have settled. Free agency, all that stuff. Maybe a couple dominoes left to fall. We'll see. But nonetheless, uh, we'll move on to the NFL here. I just wanted to start off this segment by saying how lucky we are as the fan, as the consumer, to be living in a time where the NFL is as exciting as ever. It's literally the best show on television by far. And I think that's in part of two things, mostly. I think, firstly, it's outstanding and exciting quarterback play with all these wild prospects coming in and changing their teams. It's pretty cool. But I think more importantly, or at least equally important, is the wide receiver age. I think we're in the golden age of wide receivers. It seems like every single team has a star, sometimes more than one star wide receiver, and it makes these offenses, these NFL teams, so fun to watch. It's must-see TV. So I just feel fortunate as a fan, as a podcaster, as a lifelong lover of football, that we get to live in a time where offense is exciting and there's wide receivers growing on trees. Like I said, I feel like you can't walk out your front door without hitting a star wide receiver. They're everywhere. So, and in conjunction with that, I saw a lot of buzz about the Madden ratings recently. And, you know, some may say it's not a huge deal. It's just a video game. But today more than ever, these players in the NFL, they care about their NFL ratings. You see when these come out, you see all the tweets, all the social media outbursts of players thinking, hey, my acceleration's way better than 75, or hey, my throw power's over 90, like hey, I'm only an 85 overall, all this stuff, and players getting actually pretty upset about it. And, you know, it is a game, yes, but it's a direct correlation of how society views these players. And it can be a big affirmation to a player if they're above, you know, 90, 95 overall. Gives some confirmation that, hey, I am one of the most liked, best players in the league. But the reason I bring that up with the wide receiver era is I just want to talk about the wide receiver top 10 rankings on Madden. And they're pretty absurd, in my opinion. So it starts off 99, Devonta Adams, number one. Cooper Cup, 98, number two, and number three, Tyreek Hill, 97 overall. And I think those three are fair. I think they are the top three receivers, both, you know, on the field, statistically, and just eye test. I think they're the best three. Devonta Adams isn't the fastest guy. He's not going to speed burn you. But the eye test, he's the best. He's an absolute savage route runner, catches everything. And I think Aaron Rodgers is really going to miss him. And I look forward to Derek Carr taking the next step in his career with his best friend back on his team. Cooper Cup coming in the two spot. You know, people say he's small, you know, not your prototypical receiver. But, I mean, he's like 205, 210. He runs hard. He takes a lot of contact, gets a lot of yards after the catch. And say what you want, but I believe he just had the best statistical season of any wide receiver ever. That's Ocho Cinco, Terrell Owens. Jerry Rice, Megatron, you name it. He was up there with them. So you got to tip the cap. And I think he is one of the top three receivers in this league. Third, Tyreek Hill. Obviously a burner. He always started like that in the league. No one really ever thought, at least I didn't. 
several years back that he'd be this developed of a wide receiver. So I give him a lot of credit for working on his game. And I think he deserves to be a top three receiver based off his career and his stats and just his, you know, simple fact that he's like one of three, four, five guys in the whole league that can literally score from any point on the field, any way he touches the ball, which I think is remarkable. He's on a very, very, very short list. So I think the Chiefs will have trouble replacing him. They'll still be fine with Pat Mahomes, but he's going to be a tough replacement, and I'm excited to see what he does with Tua. Then you get into the rest of this list. It starts to get a little dicey. You got DeAndre Hopkins at four, which, if we're going off past resumes, yeah, I got no complaints, but he's been hurt. You know, I think it's time for him to kind of revamp his resume and see what he can do with Kyler when healthy. I think if he's at the top of his game, he definitely deserves to be up there, but you could argue that he should be lower based off of these recent events and the injuries. Stefan Diggs at five. I think he gets a lot of slander, but can't argue that ever since they brought him in for Josh Allen, they've both excelled. He's been excellent, especially in the playoffs, and he puts up big numbers and has big games. I think he deserves to be there at the five. Um, you know, some people might argue lower, which is fair. I can't argue based off of who's left off this list. Um, but the real controversy gets down here in six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Six is Jefferson. I got no quarrels with him being there. He's on the come up. He's an excellent receiver. Still haunts me that Howie and the Eagles just completely did not listen to any of the fans, and I'm not even going to say who they picked instead, but gosh, I can barely barely deal with it today. But, you know, he's going to be one of the best receivers in the league this year, especially with the Vikings bouncing back. I really think he will have a chance to break out. And then moving down the list, Mike Evans at 7, Keenan Allen at 8, Scary Terry at 9, and Amari Cooper at 10, rounding out the 90 overalls. So, pretty crazy list. I know Mike Evans and Keenan Allen are sort of a little bit of a a homer pick in, in terms of they've been doing it for several years, and they've been highly respected in doing so. They're elite receivers. They don't always put up the most insane numbers, and their health for both of them is usually in question. But when healthy at the top of their game, they both absolutely deserve to be on this list. It's just, again, a question of health and longevity for those guys. Um, but they both have quarterbacks that are more than willing to get them the ball. So they really don't have an excuse other than their health. So I got no gripes with those guys. The main two I wanted to address in this segment is the 9 and 10 spot. You got Terry McLaurin, who he's an up-and-coming guy. I got a lot of respect for him. I get to watch him twice a year. I've seen him play in person a couple of times. He's an excellent receiver. But 9? I think there's some recency bias here. I really do. I mean, yes, he hasn't had that great of quarterback play, so to speak. We'll see if Wentz can do anything with him this year, try to elevate both of their games. But is this just because he got paid? Is that why? Like, I He's good, don't get me wrong, but I don't think, you know, that he deserves to be in that spot. I think there's more people outside the top ten on this list that deserve to be there. Uh, same thing with Amari Cooper, which isn't even on the same level in my opinion. Definitely some bias here coming from a Philly fan. He's an excellent receiver. Not top 10. No question. I'd take A.J. Brown over him at this point. No, he's has some health concerns, and Amari Cooper's a better route runner, but I'd take A.J. Brown all day long. And another obvious pick that everyone's been talking about that's just been left off the list in general, Jamar Chase. Are you kidding me, Madden? Jamar Chase. One year in the league, I think since the merger, he broke the rookie receiving record. I could be wrong on that. Somebody fact-checked me, but fairly certain he had one of the best wide receiver rookie seasons ever of all time since the merger. And you're going to keep him out behind Scary Terry and Mari Cooper and Keenan Allen right now? I don't see it. He elevated the Bengals. He's one of those guys on the short list with Tyreek. I think Tyreek has a little bit more in the tank in terms of pure speed, but Jamar... He can catch it from anywhere. He'll take a five-yard slant and take it 85 yards to the house. He's really a player that every single team in the NFL, all 32, would want on their team as their premier option. So I think it's ludicrous that he's even remotely close to being off this list. It's absolutely absurd. He is a definite top 10 receiver. 
in my opinion. And there's not a GM or coach or player in the entire league that would take Amari Cooper on their team over Jamar Chase. That's just a fact. Heck, I might even take Hunter Renfro, for crying out loud, over Amari Cooper for my team. It's just crazy, crazy list. And I know it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's just a game. But like I said, players look at this stuff and, you know, they get butthurt. They get upset when they feel like they're, you know, underranked, underscored. Because that's just directly how they're viewed by the public. And it can sort of help their image if they're ranked higher or help their confidence and overall just be good for them in the career standpoint. It's funny because I feel like they don't really care what certain coaches or certain GMs have to say, but then the, somebody sends out a tweet or Madden sets out the rankings before the game's even out and certain players are up in arms. So it tells you how much influence social media has on these guys and just the culture in general and how much they care about their appearance to the public. So um, just sort of corny segment there, interesting stuff. Uh, we'll see how that plays out over the year in terms of which receivers sort of elevate themselves into that list in the real life, in the real league. And, you know, I suspect the LSU boys to keep climbing. And some of the rookie receivers could have a good year. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, especially recently. Guys come NFL ready as long as they have a decent quarterback. So we'll see how that plays out for all the guys on that list. Going to transition to the AFC landscape, just as I did in the previous episode with the NFC landscape. Just want to go over some of the teams in each division who I think has a chance to win the division and get in the playoffs and potentially make a run. AFC is a little tougher. I think the NFC has a couple of heavyweights and then some question marks with up-and-coming teams that could make a splash, but the AFC is pretty wild. There's a lot of good playoff teams in here, especially the AFC West, so we'll dive right in. Uh, We're going to save them for last because they're the most exciting for sure. I feel like every week they're going to be a primetime game for one of those four teams. So that'll make it an even more fun NFL season here coming up shortly. Start with the AFC East. Let's just get this out of the way. The Jets. Four wins last year. You know, 23% of their games won. Um, One road win, 0-6 in the division. You got Zach Wilson is, yeah... Went to BYU, maybe not the traditional big, big school quarterback, but he's spicy. He's got potential. He's got some speed on him. He got some wheels in the open field at times, and he makes some daring throws. So we'll see if the Jets can kind of build around him. And, you know, they did have a good draft. I think this year, especially some of those traditionally worst teams had a good draft. There's a lot of good prospects that were picked early. So they do have a chance to turn it around, but they're always a mess from the top down. Um, so I just really don't have a lot of expectations for them this year other than, you know, Zach Wilson, can he stay in line? You know, he's been a little bit of a social media hero this past week or two with his, uh, recent mom related news that I won't go into. Uh, we all know about that by now. So, you know, if he can kind of focus that energy channel it into football and see if he can turn some of that spunk into wins, they can be in good shape moving forward because, you know. Like we said in the first uh, first episode, if you can just find out who your guy is at quarterback, surround him with weapons, you have a chance to compete. So we'll see if the Jets can do that. Moving to New England, I still think they're impressive from what they did last year. Yeah, they got smoked in the playoffs, but they made it with Mac Jones, a very controversial pick. They were a good road team, six and two on the road, three and three in the division, ten and seven overall. Um, honestly, a solid team. Their roster is not nearly what it used to be. They've lost a ton of their Super Bowl heroes. You know, they just don't have a ton of weapons. They might have the least offensive weapons in the NFL, at least, you know, with the eye test. Finally got rid of Nikhil Harry, who was really a bust of a pick, really highly thought of coming into that draft. And other than blocking, which I believe he was the top-rated blocking wide receiver, you know, not a whole lot going for him, but we'll see if he can turn it around. Um... For him there in Chicago, but um, you know, we'll see how Mac Jones progresses. Again, he doesn't have weapons, it's gonna be tough, but he just needs to convert on third down because the Patriots are gonna be a run first team. They always have good backs out of the backfield too in receiving situations. They're gonna be a solid football team as long as they have Bill Belichick. 
I do have some questions about who's going to coach what. You know, weird offensive defensive coordinator setups with his son, former coaches coming back, you know, all that stuff. So always some weird kind of outsider stuff going on in New England that nobody really knows what's all going on there. Um, they did hit 10 wins last year. I would not be 100% surprised if they did not hit double digits this year. Um, really going to depend on how the Dolphins progress, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, but overall, I don't have any deep playoff run aspirations for the Patriots, unless, you know, Mac Jones proves me wrong. Maybe he starts to elevate that team. Maybe they get a weapon before the deadline. Who knows? But Bill's willing to make moves, so we'll see. In Miami, interesting spot. Very interesting team. 9-8 and eight last year, obviously had that terrible stretch there, and then went on a tear. You have to finish 9-8. and eight. Just above 500. Pretty good home team at six and three. They played New England tough. Four and two in the division. I think they could be a good team. I don't think they're going to win the division, but Waddle's a beast. He's got speed. Tyrese, like previously mentioned, an All-Star home run Hall of Fame level talent. I do think his production will go down without Patrick Mahomes, but it's going to give us a fair chance to evaluate Tua, like we always talk about. He has no excuses. He's in a similar situation to Jalen Hurts. He has two elite speed receivers. One is extremely proven in championship scenarios, playoff runs, in Tyree Kill. And I think Jalen Waddle is going to be a good receiver in this league for a long time. So he's got weapons. And their defense has traditionally been solid. So two has really been that limiting factor. And, you know, we'll see how that all plays out for them. If Tua can take the next step, I think they can make the playoffs. Honestly, they could be a playoff team. I think that's probably their ceiling. This year, I don't see them necessarily winning the division with the powerhouse Bills in there and whatnot, but they could sniff the playoffs. It's just going to be tough. It's going to depend on how the AFC West plays out. Maybe an AFC North team surprises us, but we'll see how that unfolds. And the obvious favorites, I think Super Bowl favorites right now, at least from the AFC or the Buffalo Bills, I was just looking. I can't believe they were only 11-6 and six last year. It felt like they were a much better football team. Not that 11-6 and six is bad. It's 65% of your games. But, I mean, Josh Allen just continues to ascend. Not only is he a playmaker with his feet and the special things he can do, but he also puts the ball in play as good as any quarterback in the league. 5-1 and one in the division last year. 6-3 and three at home, 5-3 and three on the road. I mean, for me, they're a lock for the division. They're just a lock. Any of you betters out there, I know the odds aren't great. I say punch it. I say there's very little shot that the Patriots, Dolphins, or Jets dethrone the Bills unless catastrophe happens. But I expect them to have an outstanding season for Josh Allen to sort of be in the running, be in the front running, honestly, for MVP with some of those other quarterbacks, maybe Herbert, Mahomes, Burrow. Heck, maybe Brady pulls it together uh, one last time, but... Enough said on the Bills. Love the fan base. Love the table breaking. Love the mafia. They're going to be an awesome watch. They're going to be on so many primetime games. I think they open up with the Rams week one. Are you kidding me? What an opening game. Like, thank you, NFL. That is incredible. And, you know, we all remember how last year's playoffs panned out for the Bills. That was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. The Chiefs-Bills game. So... I don't know. I'm excited to see the clashing between these star quarterbacks moving forward, and I think the NFL is in really good hands. To the AFC North. So Bengals took it last year. It was really tight down the stretch. You know, worst team 8-9, best team 10-7. Bengals at 10-7, 4-2 in the division. Obviously, surprise, they ascended to the Super Bowl to represent the AFC with all these powerhouse quarterbacks and teams, but... You know, credit to Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. They have an amazing offense. So they made some changes to the O-line. That should help. But it's just going to ride on Joe Burrow's shoulders. You know, they could lose a key piece in Jesse Bates. Sounds like they're not willing to pay him. Maybe he'll come to Philly. Let's go. But, you know, they have Henderson. They have some other pieces on the defense. They're a solid overall team. They're not the Bengals we're used to. So, 
Hopefully they continue to become one of the most exciting duos in Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I know last year was just a pleasure to watch them play. It's just incredible. It seems like Jamar just absolutely cooks everyone that guards him. Everyone. It's insane. Peterson, Ramsey, all those guys. There's just clips of him fooling them in every game. So they can block long enough for Joe Burrow to find him, T. Higgins, all those guys. They're going to be good. They're going to be really good. So excited to see them play. The Steelers, second place at 9-7 and seven last year with that tie as well. Uh, 6-2 and two record at home. <laughs> Too bad Heinz Field is no more. Kind of a sad, sad day here um, for Steelers fans. The catch-up bottle getting removed. Heinz Field renamed. I can't even remember the real name. It's honestly not worth remembering. Um, they were 4-2 and two in the division, and they're always going to be solid. They have always been from the top down. GM, owner, coach, just solid. They just need a quarterback. It's like we talk about. They have every other piece for the most part. Maybe could use another weapon or two, but Najee Harris is going to be an absolute stud. Their defense is one of the best in the league. Watt. Patrick, all those guys. They're one of the toughest, well-coached teams in the league. They're going to be competitive in every game. They're going to have a lot of one-score games. So, you know, this is all contingent on can they get at least average quarterback play as they've, re- as they've received in the past. So, we'll see how that goes. Again, they could sneak in because it's AFC North. Um, but honestly, I don't see them winning the division to Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. I just can't unpack all their stuff right now. It's too much. Deshaun Watson aside, they were 8-9 and nine last year. 2-6 and six on the road. Yuck. 3-3 three and three in the division. Their roster, everybody's talking about, oh, they got the best roster on paper. Oh, we love the Browns. And I, I personally never bought in. You can ask my friends. I never bought into Baker. I never bought into the Browns. I uh, know some Browns fans, oh, we're winning the AFC, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. No chance. You were born in dysfunction, you've bred dysfunction, and you will die dysfunctional. That is the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they got their guy at quarterback with Deshaun Watson. Who knows? Is he even the same player? He hasn't even played in like two years. He had some injury history, big injury histories, ligamentous injuries. Scary stuff. Set aside his allegations, you know, which legally it sounds like everybody's basically going to settle. And from a legal perspective, he won't have a whole lot to do penalty-wise. So it all comes back to the NFL. And the thing is with the NFL, they don't need hard evidence. Everyone's like, well, what else are they going to find that the courts don't have? It's like it doesn't work like that. The NFL doesn't need hard evidence. They can suspend you whenever, however you know, as long as they want. You know, to a degree, the Players Association obviously is their main combative force to fight for every player, including Deshaun Watson. So, you know, we'll see how it works out, but I I expect the NFL to come down hard because they've been burned so many times in the past, so many, I can't even name all the examples. The, The most absurd one that always comes to mind is Ray Rice, which we don't have to rehash it, but we all saw the video back then. And just just brutal stuff. Like, he should never be allowed to do anything again. Like, that was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And he got, I believe, two games. (laughs) Talk about a joke. Absolute joke. That's unforgivable, in my opinion. And I think because of episodes like that, the NFL has kind of started to wake up at least a little bit. I know they're not all the way there. Um, But I give them a little bit of credit here. They're waking up, and I think they're going to, come down hard on Deshaun Watson and, you know, purely based off the optics because I don't really care (laughs) about the legal facts. If there's like 25, 30 women, all massage therapists, (laughs) first of all, who has that many massage therapists? That's freaking weird. (laughs) No one, no pro athlete needs that many. That's gross. If they're all coming out and saying the same thing, it probably happened. It probably happened. So even if they don't find evidence, even if everybody settles, I still think they're going to come down hard on him. Um, Sorry, I got way more into that than I wanted to. Wasted my last breath on Deshaun Watson. Um, So we'll see who they roll in with. You know, do they get Jimmy G? I saw he's 
you know, got permission from the Niners to seek a trade. So we'll see if he ends up going anywhere. I think he will get moved, um, at least before the deadline, maybe not before kickoff this season. But um, he's a valuable player. As we said, he's a winner, polarizing player. I think people envy him because he's the best-looking player in the NFL, and he's got injury history. Um, but, you know, he's a winner. Shows up in his stats. He's led NFC champ, like you know, NFC championship teams. So there's definitely going to be some teams looking for an upgrade, whether it's injury or dissatisfaction. So I think he will get a home other than San Francisco. But the Browns in general, I mean, they do have a good roster. They have some good pieces. They do. But I just don't see them sniffing the playoffs with their quarterback situation as well, just hindering them even more. They had eight wins last year, eight and nine. I just I don't think they get to eight this year. I really don't. Unless Deshaun Watson comes back and he doesn't miss a beat, which I think the probability of that at this time is really low. I really do. And going to the Ravens, really under the radar for the first time in a while last year. Eight and nine. Lamar had some injuries. Their entire roster seemed to be out every week. Had a ton of training camp and pre-kickoff first week injuries that really set them back. And a lot of important players. So if they're all healthy coming into the season, I'm actually going to pick them to win the division, um, which I know might shock some people, but I believe they are favored. And I mean, it's, it's you know, the Bengals are up there for sure. They could win it, but I expect them to take a little bit step back um, as, you know, title teams, NFC, AFC championship teams, you know, usually tend to do. It's really hard to repeat stretches like that in the NFL, especially when you weren't necessarily expected to be a powerhouse. It's really hard to do. And the Ravens got to 8-9. and nine. You know, we're right there on the playoff doorstep and just barely got out. But their roster is really good still. You know, they lost Hollywood. You know, he may not like his bro Lamar anymore, at least from an on-field perspective. So we'll see if they can have some help at receiver. But Mark Andrews, one of the most productive under-the-radar tight ends in the league. If they have healthy backs, healthy Lamar, they're going to be an above 500 team. They're going to be... They could be a good team. I mean, they could be an 11-12 win team, which, you know, as we've seen in the past, is enough to win the division. I mean, the division winner only had 10 wins last year. So I do see them winning the division. Um, Bengals could win it, um, but I do see the Bengals, you know, getting in the playoffs again. Unless, like I said, AFC West magic happens or the Dolphins somehow blow up uh, and Tua ascends, but they'll be in the mix. I just think the Browns and the Steelers need some more time the AFC South, um, starting with the Titans, number one seed last year, if I recall, they were 12-5, and 7-2 uh, at home, 5-1 and one in the division. If King Henry's healthy, they'll be good. I mean, they're going to be good. I don't think they, I don't think they win the division this year. I think Indianapolis is going to win the division. You know, Derrick Henry's a beast, but I think losing A.J. Brown was a huge, huge loss for them. A lot of yards after the catch, a lot of productive games, a lot of clutch touchdowns from A.J. Brown. Um, and I think they're going to miss it. I know their fans miss him, for sure. Um, they took the receiver out of Arkansas, supposed to be his replacement. He's big, um, has some speed to him, so he could be the next big thing. So it could work out for both teams, the Eagles and the Titans, but for now I'm selling my stock on the Titans. I don't see them winning 12 games again. Moving to the Colts, 9-8 and last year. Obviously had that horrible debacle with Wentz. 3-3 three and three in the division. Really botched the last game against Jacksonville. We got Matt Ryan in there, which I know everybody thinks he's washed. But I think he's an upgrade. You know, he can he can air it out still. I think they have some weapons in place. Uh, still weapons that need to grow. But they have some weapons there. And obviously Jonathan Taylor. Um, honestly, he's my favorite back in the league. Um... I love that guy. He is such a good runner, and, and he's he can take a screen all the way. He can take a halfback dive all the way. He is just an absolute electric player. He is incredible. So hate to say it as a Penn State fan from, you know, big rival in college football, but I remember watching him in college football, and the dude just ate up yards, ate it up. 200-yard games all the time is what it felt like. Um, so I think he's going to have a good career in the NFL and continue to be up there with King Henry and Kamara and C-Mac and 
Dalvin Cook, and all those guys for the top running back spot. Texans, 4-13 last year, 3-3 in the division. We'll see how Davis Mills does. He actually did pretty good for them last year amid all the controversy with Deshaun Watson. Stepped in, did a pretty good job. They don't have a ton of weapons. Uh, I feel like they always have like five, six, seven running backs all over the age of 30 that everybody kind of threw out. Um, so we'll see how they do this year. Obviously a dysfunctional organization, especially with all the recent allegations and all the settlements that they recently made for their part in these allegations. Um, I think they'll be a better team this year. Like I said, I don't, I don't think they're getting close to 500, but I think they can beat their four win total from last year. Um, but they very well could fall flat on their face and <laughs> win less. It's really hard to tell, um, you know, depending on Davis Mills' progression and can he take the next step as well. And rounding out Jacksonville, 3-14, and 14, traditionally bad after the Blake Bortles, Ramsey, Clays Campbell years, 0-8 um, on the road, 0-8, 1-5 in the division, and they have one of the best prospects we've ever seen at quarterback, short of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck um, in Trevor Lawrence. So we'll see if they can kind of turn around in there. I think they can. You know, they overpay for some weapons, uh, but at least they got them there, you know. Maybe not the best financial move, but, you know, they got weapons. They got weapons there. Maybe not premier A1 star receivers, but they got some help for Trevor Lawrence. And my boy Dougie P. Dougie P., love you. Um, hopefully he can turn that franchise around. And, you know, I think if Doug P, Trevor Lawrence, and their weapons can't turn around, you know, it may be time to consider to move the team, to be honest with you. I mean, you see the teams moving to L.A., um, Las Vegas with the Raiders, like immediately being the most profitable teams for the most part in the NFL. Um, I just feel bad. I feel like nobody pays attention to Jacksonville. Like you have one of the most exciting prospects ever, and we barely talk about him anymore. It's been one year, insane, insane. So I do. I, I actually do think they'll win more than three games. I really hope they do. Honestly, I hope that division gets more competitive. It's really boring seeing the Titans and the Colts just battle it out. Um, <laughs> both kind of powerhouse run teams. It feels like compared to the rest of the landscape. And I don't know. It'd be nice to see the Texans or the Jaguars make a splash, but I do think the Colts uh, win that division with a pretty safe brand of football. Now, to the most exciting division in the league. By far, there is no competition AFC West. Obviously, they're going to beat up on each other. You know, they got to play the other teams twice. So, I think some teams will fall on their face. It's just... From the start of the season, how can you not be amped up? you got to be pumped up. This, you know, is on track to be, at least on paper, from the start of the season, the best division we have ever seen. I look at the AFC West, and I look at those four teams, and you could basically tell me that any of those four teams win the division, and I wouldn't be surprised. Seriously. I think betting on this division is a horrible idea. <laughs> I say do not do it. Literally anything can happen. One injury away from being not in the playoffs. Um, technically, they all can make the playoffs with the seven-team system, which would be, you know, absolutely insane. Um, but you know, if they're the four, you know, four of the best teams out of the seven, I, I hope they all do make it because they're all potentially really exciting watches. I mean, starting with the obvious, the Chiefs, twelve and five last year, seven and two at home. Hard place to play in Arrowhead, especially with Andy and Beach. Um, division 5-1. and one. You know, as long as they have Mahomes, they're always going to be in the playoff hunt, in the championship mix. But obviously Kelsey's still there kicking one of the best. I, I think he's the best tight end in the league, uh, personally. Has been for several years, you know, despite, or maybe post-prime Gronk. But, you know, I think Tyreek, that loss is really going to hurt them. I do. I mean, Mahomes will still put up numbers. Um, they still have a lot of speed and guys that can get open. Um, but otherwise, you know, Tyreek Hill, I feel like, bailed them out of so many things that just didn't really show up. It feels like Mahomes would just chuck it and he would just run under it 30 yards, just no problem. 
And I don't know. It's going to change our offense. I think offenses can kind of focus more on boxing in Mahomes and limiting Travis Kelsey underneath, whereas with Tyreek blowing the top off defenses every play, I think Kelsey got a lot of benefit from that and was open a lot. So we'll see if the other guys in the locker room can step it up. I think they will. It's just, like we talked about earlier, he's one of those three, four, five guys in the league that, you know, from a production, a speed just a willingness to score from anywhere by any means necessary. It's it's such a rare thing to have in the NFL. So I think this loss hurts the Chiefs, to be honest with you. Um, but moving on to the Chargers, 9-8 and eight last year. Obviously all that drama at the end of last year just coach completely botched their season in multiple ways. Refuses to kick field goals. He plays exactly like I play Madden. <laughs> just... Feels like they never punt, never kick field goals, uh, which I respect. But there comes a time where you gotta win, you gotta win, and it's not like you're playing Patrick Mahomes every week. Like some of those games they botched, like the Raiders and all that stuff. It's like kick the field goal, man, or don't take the timeout. I don't, I don't understand. It's it's a shame. Herbert's still young, obviously uh, ascending. A lot of people think he can be the MVP this year, which he might very well be. The Chargers only got better. From last year, they really did. Defensively, they look stacked. They look stacked. If they're all healthy, they're stacked. Um, offense is stacked. I'm a huge Austin Eckler fan, um, especially in fantasy football. Just <laughs> and and in real life, let's be honest. I mean, he's he's electric. Not traditional at all, but absolutely electric. Receivers, if healthy, are going to be on point. They're going to be good. They got Slater. They got they got good O-line. They're going to be an excellent team. It's just, can they stay healthy? And can Staley, you know, learn from his ways? I think that'll really be as far as the bus will go. Um, but I do expect them to win more than nine games this year, even in their, you know, scary division, uh, going 3-3 three and three last year. Um, going over to Denver, definitely <laughs> the most... Interesting team this offseason, in my opinion. Getting Russell Wilson, and it depends who you talk to. I mean, some people think Russell Wilson's a, a lock, Hall of Famer, best quarterback, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Other people aren't so high on him, saying, oh, he's getting worse each year. Oh, it was the defense. You know, I'm sort of in the camp, somewhere in the middle. I think he is one of the better, you know, best quarterbacks in the league. I don't think he's in the top, top tier right now of those, like, top three, four guys. Uh, but I think he's right on the outside. Um, he loves the deep ball. He can throw the deep ball really well. Um, spends a million each year on his body. You know he's going to be ready. You know he's going to bring the young guys under his wing. He's going to kind of view him as like the anti-Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers like has new young receivers skipping the voluntary stuff. I feel like Russell Wilson would never skip any of that. Um, he's just a gamer. He's a winner. Family guy. Um, so... I really I struggle to have a prediction on the Broncos this year. I really do. People are saying lock 13, 14 win team, lock division winner. Russell Wilson, their team is loaded. Their backs are good. Their receivers are good. Their defense is good. All this stuff. I got to see it first. I, I got to be honest. I can't even make a prediction just based off of, you know, I mean, if they're in the AFC South, yeah, sure. I mean, of course. But they're with these teams that have been together for some time. But, I mean, I feel like if anyone can do it, Russell can do it. Um, being cohesive, he always says the right things, always presents the right image. Um, Mr. Unlimited. So, I think they will have a good year. I do. Um, I don't know if they're going to be a 13-14 win team. I mean, they were 1-5 in, in the division last year, 7-10 overall. And, again, that completely shifts, which, uh, you know, Russell Wilson will absolutely switch that back around to some degree. But... With their division being so tough, every week is going to be a battle. So, And moving to the final team in the AFC here, which I personally think is the most exciting team, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. 10-7 and seven last year, 3-3 three and three in the division. Remarkable what they did. Remarkable. Um, amidst all the terrible, terrible controversy, one of their first-round picks with the gun charge, Obviously, the Henry Ruggs debacle, <laughs> Gruden. This, literally, it feels like they had three, four major things happen that other teams didn't. 
and they still made the playoffs. They still put up points. They're a good football team. So we'll see if we'll see if they can bring in some more, you know, um, relaxed and controlled environment, and see if they can really hone in on football. Which it feels like with the Raiders, it's inevitable. I I don't know if they're the most dysfunctional franchise historically. Um, you know, with Jacksonville, uh, Texans, all that kind of stuff, but they certainly make the most noise, <laughs> especially now that they're in Vegas. Um, I think I saw they had the highest revenue last year from sales, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, their stadium is awesome. I was out there when it was getting built. <laughs> it's crazy. I really want to go to a game in Vegas. Um, maybe the Eagles will play them and can head out there, but um, you know, like I said, 10-7 and seven last year. They're gonna be they're gonna be good. I think they're gonna be really good. I think Waller does want a new deal, but they're gonna get that done. If he can stay healthy, same with Jacobs. Um, you know, they have Renfro, who I think is still an underrated receiver. I think he's on that kind of one B tier of receiver. Like he's you know, other teams may be a one, but on his team and some other teams is not a pure one. Um, especially now that they have Devontae Adams who Reuniting with his college teammate and great friend Derek Carr. They're going to have chemistry. I think this has been in the works for a little bit. Um, and honestly, I think they're going to excel. Derek Carr, honestly, uh, this might be bold, might not be. I don't know what your thoughts are out there. But I think maybe I think maybe an MVP pick. Honestly, I'd have to look up the odds on that. But I think he's a dark horse for the MVP or maybe not so dark horse for the MVP. But... I wouldn't mind putting a little cheddar down on Derek Carr. Um, Ten wins last year with all that controversy. We get a new coach, um, a new weapon. Most say the number one receiver in the league. And let alone he was your college teammate and friend. Like, And you have Renfro and one of the best red zone threats in Waller and Josh Jacobs, who, if healthy, is a fantastic running back. They're going to be really good. And yes, They've whiffed on several picks in the past, especially on the defensive side of the ball, overdrafting guys like crazy, drafting a couple of busts. But honestly, I don't know if I'm calling them to win the division. I really don't. I guess they kind of have to if Derek Carr is going to get MVP. So you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say the <laughs> this is my bold pick of the year for sure. Um, I'm going to say the Raiders win the division. I know. Crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. Uh, you'd be right to turn the podcast off right now, I understand. Um, but in all reality, I think any four of those teams could win that division. It's going to depend on health, um, some coaching aspects for some of the teams. But at the end of the day, it's just who's still standing roster-wise and important player and star-wise at the end of the year. And can they piece it together after beating each other up for you know, six games of the year? Um, but I think, too... Probably th- probably three of those teams are going to be in the playoffs. I would say at least three, and then the Colts probably, the Ravens, and the Bills. Um, I think Dolphins are sniffing it. Patriots are sniffing it, but in a lesser way. Steelers, they'll always be around just because of their organization. They're always competitive regardless of the quarterback play they're getting. Bengals obviously could get in as well, but I don't know. It's going to depend on how the AFC West shakes out, really. So... I think they're the driving force for the league from a revenue perspective this year and, you know, from setting the AFC landscape. But, you know, any opinion you hear on the AFC West right now, you can throw it out the window because there's no way anybody knows anything about this division. It's impossible. You can make every argument for any team to be the best or the worst, and you could just refute any of those points. So, really unlike any division that I can remember in recent memory, where literally all four teams have a shot to, you know, win the division, really, in my opinion. So, really cool stuff. Um, really quickly at the end, uh, to round out the last couple of minutes, uh, I just wanted to touch on a question I got from one of the fans, one of the loyal listeners. Um, wanted me to comment on how do I think these stars are going to fit into their new teams, and specifically wanted me to talk about uh, Reek and uh, Devontae Adams. So I'll start with Devontae Adams since we were just over there um, talking about him. He's the best receiver in the league. The eye test will tell you that. He's crisp, catches everything. He's just, he's a beast. He's a beast. He's playing with his 
college quarterback, his friend. I think he's going to have a lot more fun, honestly, in Las Vegas than Green Bay. And playing with Derek Carr, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really do. I think it's going to be electric. I think Derek Carr is going to be propelled into a top-tier quarterback. I really do. Maybe not a Mahomes or an Allen. Um, but I think this is his kind of prove-it year where he's always been one of those quarterbacks where you can make an argument either way, like, hey, he's really good, or hey, he's not great at all. So uh, I think he'll answer a lot of the questions, hopefully silence some of the doubters this year. But I think Devontae Adams will fit in just fine. Uh, I think maybe his numbers might go down just slightly um, just because of a target share perspective. I mean, you've got Renfro with high volume, Waller when healthy, even Jacobs. You got a lot of mouths to feed. So overall, I don't think his performance you know, diminishes at all, but his numbers might be a little worse just because it seemed like in Green Bay, Rodgers really just only threw to him, or so it felt like at times, at least in important games like the playoffs. Um, so I, I expect them to be good. I expect the Raiders to be good. I expect Devontae and Derek Carr to be you know, towards the top, if not the top of their positions this year regardless of how bold you think that is from the quarterback perspective. Um, and rounding out on Tyreek, uh, we already talked about this too a little bit, but um, him in Miami, look, I mean, that's why receivers leave. That's why Marquise left. You know, he wanted money. Kyler has a better arm. He knows that. We all know that. And their offense, the Ravens, they're set around Lamar and mainly running the football and a specific offense that isn't really conducive to putting up numbers, putting up stats. And I think... Tyreek is going to face a little bit of that um, in a different way, going from quite literally one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen on the field at any time, pre or post merger. But, you know, now we're looking at Tua. So, you know, we'll see if he can take the next step. But like I said, at least we'll know on Tua from here on out. And I, I think Tyreek will be electric, he'll make plays at times. And I think he'll really open up that offense, especially for Tua and Waddle. And I think they'll be a competitive playoff level, or at least sniffing the playoff level team. And um, I think, again, his numbers will probably go down a little bit. But um, we'll see if Tua can get in the ball. If Tua can get in the ball, he's going to torch. That's it for today's podcast, everybody. Share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Feel free to shoot me questions. Um, it'll be asked and answered on the show uh, through my Instagram. And, you know, hope you guys are enjoying life out there. Hope this podcast can spark some good debate amongst you and your friends and your colleagues. And, you know, we're getting closer. Hang in there. Soon be time for NFL and even NBA seasons. So better times are ahead. Stay safe. Peace.